Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, I'm Nick. Hello, I'm Ed. And this week we're going to kind of touch on a episode we did a while back called uh, Requirements Gathering. However, this one we're going to kind of take a, a different approach to it. And we're going to look at software testing. And we're going to look at it from a holistic approach. So we're going to look at it from what it is, what it's used for, and everything in between. And, you know, that's how, you know, funny thing is how I got into IT. It was, you know, starting with software testing, going from a waterfall approach down to an uh, agile approach kind of back to a project management standpoint and back into a waterfall um, agile, you know, methodology approach. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, I guess you could say, you know, uh, software testing it, you know, kind of what, what are you thinking when you start hearing that? So from the OT side, we would uh, normally be exposed to these things via PLC programming. And in PLC programming, just like when we're talking about requirement gathering, we would uh, gather the parameters that are necessary for uh, the program. Then we would start a design phase after we figured out what the requirements were. For example, if if it was a conveyor, uh, do we need an entry sensor and an exit sensor? And then we would go into the build process. Mm -hmm. And um, after we built the program, we would do testing. Yep. After testing, we would deploy it. And this is a waterfall approach. Right. This is probably what's been done over the last 50 to, uh, over the last 50 years, this is probably what's been done. Yeah, well, waterfalls are more common. Um, however, you know, as you're getting into things, you start dealing with, you know, like Microsoft, Team, Microsoft Teams Foundation Server, MTFS, um, and like HP's all-in-one um, testing center, um, but you know, sure, you start moving into more of the, the agile approach as we've gotten into things. So I think agile has kind of taken over um, from the um, waterfall standpoint. And with that, you're kind of talking about like you know your user story creation and stuff like that, and testing through your requirements. That's why the requirements gathering is uh, you know so important on any facet you know of uh, building and you know deploying equipment or even deploying software for that matter is you have you start dealing with like iv and v's and uat testing and verification testing and stuff like that black box testing um white box testing and automated versus manual testing so you know when you're thinking about that you know kind of what are you, what are you thinking about well this is where i think you would use a 10-minute test plan and then we would look at things like the attribute, which would be like the adjective. So if it's a conveyor, um, will we have a fast or slow speed? 
Uh, then we start looking at the component, which is your noun. Um, is it controlling motors? Is it controlling variable speed, variable frequency drives? Um, is it controlling sensors? Mm -hmm. um, and then we would look at capabilities, which would be our verb. Yeah. What do we want this conveyor to do? We like a capability to... test. Yes. So that that would be how, um, from a PLC perspective, you would approach mm -hmm. it from those type of things. Uh, and then, you know, you would even do some functional testing. Yeah. So like regression testing and stuff like that mm -hmm. when errors are found. And it kind of like when you're talking about the, um, you know, the code building and stuff like that and the testing, especially on a conveyor standpoint, you're talking about more manual test, um, you know, bug fix, you know, stuff like that. You're looking for, you know, these type of, of issues and stuff like that that kind of pops up out of the blue. And, you know, that kind of rolls you back into, you know, the verification phase and the verification steps and stuff like that, that you're dealing with or, you know, the IVNV, internal verification and validation testing. Um, you start looking at things like, you know, kind of what NASA did. You know, if you think about it with the Artemis program, you know, that just rolled out, you know, this past week, you know, you're talking about moments in time of where you have to do an IV and V on this equipment, you know, validating this equipment works with each other and stuff like that. You know, it's all the different stress testings and stuff like that. That can still all be considered software testing because it's software attached to hardware. And then, you know, from another perspective, we talk about syntax errors. So when we're talking syntax errors, we're talking about errors inside the program that do not follow the rules of the programming language. Yeah, exactly. For example, if you're using Siemens Step 7, um, you do not add the uh, right assignments for operators, mm -hmm. or you don't add the right characters to uh, denote in STL what you're doing. Right. Uh, the other thing is logic errors. We're talking about errors that are uh, logic in the program that cause it to behave not as intended. Right. So, for example... Maybe we were supposed to multiply something and we divide it. Exactly. So we don't get what we expected. Yeah. And then the last thing is runtime errors. So runtime errors, we're talking about errors that could cause program to execute or crash. Mm -hmm. And these are things like writing to the wrong memory space. Yeah. Dividing by zero. Yeah. You know, so That's things like that is, right. is you really have to be diligent about these things because you got machinery moving and things could crash and uh, you could tear up equipment. Right. And, you know, then we start getting into, you know, what is, you know, software testing, the grand scheme of things. And, you know, we start talking here to talk about waterfall. What waterfall is, is build the requirements and test once it is complete. Um, then you start dealing with agile, which is a rotational, you know, testing methodology where you test as your code becomes available. It's a test and release, you know, standpoint. And then you start getting into, you know, manual testing which you know a lot of people call button click testing because you pretty much click the screen and and play with it until it breaks record your errors and then go back and fix it you know and agile we kind of let those go if they're not priority one or two bugs you know they're only like pri three or pri fours however in agile and waterfall that requires like a rewrite um and then you start getting into your automated testing um which is something that we've touched before on the ot standpoint is where we kind of use a system to test another system. And, you know, that's when you start getting to like stress testing of the code to make sure the code is correct. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is that's also when you think about it, 
that's when we go back to the priority numbers that you heard me talking about, the priority one, priority two, priority three, and priority four. A priority one is a full stop. It is, it cannot, the system cannot progress any further past that point. It is a complete and utter breakage. A priority two is a issue that requires a workaround for functionality to exist. A priority three is something that's just a little bit uncomfortable. Um, priority four are your spelling mistakes. And uh, this is, you know, kind of, if you think about it, you know, I guess where uh, Windows lives. Um, they live in the priority four, you know, realm of things because they can handle that type of stuff without having to push out a new release. So, you know, when we're talking about like priority numbers and stuff like that, you know, what are you, what are you thinking about? So for, uh, for the uh, PLC and from the OT side, safety is obviously the, the major concern. Safety is key, yeah. Yeah, so um, if you have a safety program, you have a, you have a basic program and then a safety program. So you yeah. do all of your, or the standard program, you do all of your normal control in the standard program. Mm -hmm. But inside of the safety program, you isolate the two. They're in layers. So right. it's in two layers. Exactly. The safety program is supposed to be isolated from the basic program so no one can just make changes. The other thing that, that is really a big concern is um, how we program and reuse function blocks, reuse data blocks, uh, excuse me, reuse function blocks and... Um, functions and also we make sure that when we're doing our dbs we assign certain areas in the db to certain things so you mm -hmm. basically compartmentize compartmentalize your your code so basically it's reusable and it's easy for the maintenance personnel to use it and then i would say probably the, the last thing that everybody should do is documentation yep make sure you comment so people have a clear understanding of what's going on inside of the logic Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, it does no one, it does a disservice to everybody. If we make this code where nobody can understand it, but the person that programmed it, which will not be on site to maintain it. Right. So the people that are maintaining it should have a clear understanding of what it does. Oh yeah. You know, the release notes, you know, release notes are, are a great thing and, you know, that makes me think that the OT side of the house is using more of a, more or less an agile methodology and not using a waterfall break fix. Um, but that kind of rolls back or rolls forward into your, your test management side of the house. When you start talking about, you know, test plans and test steps and stuff like that, you know, when you start talking about test steps in the grand scheme of things, it's, you know, I'm going to open up say Microsoft Word for instance, I'm gonna open up a new word pan a new a new word book and you know start typing. Each one of those steps I would document and say it's a pass or a fail to say if that actual thing passes. However, I'm testing to a requirement that states the system shall have a word processing software built in. It doesn't tell you what it is, it just says it has to be there. Um, and then with that, we go back and we look at the test that ties to the test management aspect where you're building your test plan. You're setting up your test schedules. You're testing, you're setting up your test members, your environments and everything else. And with that, every person who is testing has a particular job. It's not that, you know, Joe Schmo Schmuckatelli is out there just testing this one thing. You know, it's kind of, you're, you're testing little by little, little by little, little by little. 
However, everybody has, cool, you're going to get this application or that application and go that way. Kind of, I guess, in the OT standpoint, you get this one line, this other line, and this other line, and you kind of tell me if it works or not at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, and, and there are different uh, ways of programming, just like there are different software packages you can use. There are different methodologies you can use. So even with, uh, like, PLC programming, you got ladder diagram, which is more of a graphical mm -hmm. Uh, easy for people to understand and follow. Yeah. You have uh, function block diagrams, which is almost like following um, digital logic, digital mm -hmm. gates. And then uh, you have uh, STL, which is, you know, structured text. Yeah. And, and basically what you can do with these languages, each one has strengths and each one has weaknesses. Most of the time, most of the programming is done inside of uh, uh, ladder logic. Um, some things uh, have to be done in STL. Calculations are uh, easier in PLC uh, languages in STL. And uh, most of the time, function block and P and ladder logic go back and forth. They convert. Um, but one of the, the, the biggest things when we're talking about testing, you have to simulate these programs. Right. You have to simulate inputs coming on and off. So like an automated testing standpoint. Yes, exactly. You have to you have to kind of semi-auto, you know, it's yeah, kind yeah. of in between, but mostly automatic. Mm -hmm. um, you have to you have to uh, simulate sending telegrams. You have to simulate sending um, um, bits of data or whole words or converting a string from a string into a uh, into an integer. Yeah. So those are some of the things that you encounter with. Uh, with PLC. Now, with that, it leads me leads me to this question. Um, and software testing, we do something called code review. We look at the code as we're running the program to validate that the function is working as it should. Now, you're talking about how every little bit of this PLC requires a, a, a code standpoint, right? What type of code review do you guys go through for a uh, for say a PLC change? Or a new pro, new new new, t new program edition. How do you guys go through your um, uh, your software or your code review process before that can actually be implemented for test? So uh, the first step is uh, we have to have the uh, uh, requirements gathered. We yeah. have to have the parameters. That's right. that's the first step. Um, the the next step is uh, once you have the parameters, you would do some type of Q check, and with the Q check, you would basically take in uh, say here's the parameters or here's the here's the standard that we're going to go by anything that's outside of the standard naming convention um, using the right area in the data in the data block um, making sure that we're tying a FB and a DB to where it's supposed to be mm -hmm. making sure we don't have bits in there that are always on or always off uh, so, so th those are things that you would do a check for. Right. But ultimately, with PLC, someone still has to do a uh, spot check. That makes sense. A human still has to go and say, hey, some of it, it has to be done manually. We're right. not at the point with AI that we can do these things, so a mm -hmm. human has to make that judgment, especially with safety. Yeah. That makes sense, you know. And the thing is, you know, in, like, the software standpoint, you know, on the, the IT side or you know, the server side of the house, we look at something and also we look at the, the what is called the definition of done. Um, is this story complete? If I, if I cannot test to it, the story is not completed. Um, so that's all, that's an agile. So it's an agile approach. 
is it is it you know done? If you're looking at a waterfall standpoint, you're more or less testing your requirements until you run out of requirements and test two. So you know on a on a, like a PLC change type of thing, you know I know what my definition of done is, but what would be your considered definition of done when it comes down to you know running into the end of a project or end of a user story? Because we're talking about from the agile methodology, you're talking. You know, requirements to user stories, user stories to test processes and code. Um, so what is your definition of done? So with PLCs, it's a little different. PLCs, it's living software. So li what I mean by living software is that uh, the user experience is always going to dictate if some added features need to be added. And you right. won't know that until the user is, uh, until it's been deployed to the field and the user is uh, working with the equipment. The other thing is is uh, optimization. There will mm -hmm. always be optimization with PLCs and factories because we may have one set speed, yeah. and then later we may have to say we have to run at a different speed. Yeah. So these are thing. These are some of the things, and then another another thing is is you'll find it uh, in the logic that it's something that an operator or a human can do that you didn't. Uh, expect so you'll get some unexpected behavior or bugs. Yeah. So you'll be refixing bugs. Additional and then, features. And then lastly, uh, you'll see some things that we didn't have in our parameters, so we had to make Pokio systems. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit different with PLC because it's, it's a living software, so uh, it's never done with that system until you convert over to another system, then that system's done. So. Because mm -hmm. uh, most most uh, OT environments gonna run ten to forty years before yeah. they make a change. So you're saying you got a lot of uh, unexpected features, and you know with that you kind of get into your UAT standpoint. You know, like what you said, you have to wait for the user to to do something. You know, to expose you know said feature. You know, because you know a bug is a, a bug is considered a feature if it's lasted too long. You know, if, if, if you haven't fixed it yet, it now becomes a feature. It's a permanent feature. Um, so, which kind of, you know, brings me to a standpoint of, you know, I know we use UATs to test massive rollouts. We'll bring the customer in and bring in a couple other things. And we'll, we'll sit people down at a terminal or at a, or at a PC or, or something that we have that we're using, that we're writing it on, and say, do your job and let us know if this is what you wanted originally. Um, so from the OT standpoint, we talked about, you know, UATs, um, you know, I, we do them, you know, routinely at, at, during every major release. Now I know that you said it's a living, living document. Do y'all do major releases that require UATs? So now there's always, uh, updates to the actual hardware that you have to consider mm -hmm. unless you, uh, employ a system that freezes the version. And we say this is the version that is uh, most stable for us, and we're going to lock in this version. We're not going to go higher than this version. So like a version control. So we do have version control. Uh, but the the thing, like I said, because it's a little bit different with, like, say, a programmer logic controller. Um, for us, we get a process map, or we get uh, a, a process engineer tells us this: these are the steps that, will happen between the human and the machining. So human to machine interfacing will be this. That's a scary thought. And, and until we get to a point to where we can say, 
this is no longer a human machine process. Mm -hmm. It's the human is unpredictable. Right. So this is why I mean it's, it's a living program. It will always have to have some adjustments. Right. Be, because we, we don't know what new feature is going to be needed. Right. So from that point, yes. But you can take data from existing plants or plants that came before or lines that you uh, decommissioned and say, hey, well, we did this last time. We had this problem. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you carry that stuff forward to the next program. Right. So you, you already know that you're going to have these features, and maybe what you do is make the feature dynamic. Mm -hmm. Maybe I have an entry box to say, hey, um, I want to run normal, I want to run in degrade mode, and I want to run in commission mode. So maybe you, you have the option to do that. Makes sense. So what now, this kind of brings me to, you know, a kind of a point here. It seems like, you know, as the software testing standpoint goes from an IT standpoint to an OT standpoint, they're one and the same, you know, just at a, at a different piece of equipment. Um, and then you kind of see that kind of expand more in your engineering standpoint where you're doing this, you know, IVNV and UAT and stuff like that on bigger piece of equipment. You know, we've seen it in, you know, space flight. You know, if, if you think about it, it's like what you and me were talking about earlier. You know, software testing started with Mercury, you know, with the Mercury space program. That's where it got it, got its start and its kick. And, you know, I, I'm utterly familiar with, with that pro that process, but it also became the first time we've ever done an engineering test on a human space flight, which that engineering, which pretty much what that was, um, was the uh, UAT. If you think about it, you know, John Glenn's three three, um, uh, three orbits around the Earth was a UAT test, you know, for us to go to Apollo, and then from Apollo to the moon, and then, you know, from Space Shuttle on. Um, however, with a new advent of, you know, Artemis and, you know, the SpaceX type of thing, you know, you start dealing more and more with older testing scenarios. Now those testing scenarios become real. And that's why we're, you know, we're launching the, the unmanned, unmanned, uncrewed uh, rocket to the moon for Artemis 1 to do that testing. So if you think about it, software testing itself has kind of moved from the button click world of IT to the PLC world and then onto the um, uh, you know the, the space flight world where it actually came from there and now going back you know and vice versa depending on what version of engineering you're in. So you know I don't know if you, you know if you see the same white that I do but you know that's just my opinion. Well, I, I see in the future of uh, programmable logic controllers, we're going to go. So we went from PCs in the, uh, in the industrial environment making, uh, have, being interfaced with uh, inputs and outputs to where we combine those into one um, box, a yep. PLC. The next progression I see is opposite. I see PLCs as a service. Yeah, I can do that. I, I see Python scripts running on uh, PLCs, and that's where I think we will uh, end up ultimately. 
Uh, and uh, as always, we appreciate you guys listening. And uh, thank you for all the support. You know, and, you know, I'll end it on this. You know, as we see things change, as we think, see things evolve, you know, it, it's time to really, you know, get involved in this. You know, sit back, learn it. If you have any questions on, you know, any of the software testing stuff, you know, we're more than happy to give you a hand. You know, point you in the right direction. You know, get involved, learn Agile. You know, learn what it is about Waterfall. You know, we uh, we hope you all have a, you know, a good night and good afternoon or whatever time you're listening to us. And, uh, you know, we'll catch you on the next episode. So uh, catch you around. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learned something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did, please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at Volcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.